Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda, and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada. And this is the Book Club Podcast episode where I am reading Literacy Foundations for English Learners, and I'm sharing my thoughts, ideas, and learning after reading each chapter. For this week's episode, I am reading Chapter 5, and it's all about phonics development among English learners. If you have not already listened to the first four chapters or episodes of this book club, um, I would recommend you go back and start at the beginning and listen and read along to you know, build your knowledge with me along the way about how we are teaching literacy skills to our English learners in the classroom, which is something that I desperately needed um, some learning around. So I'm really excited about this book. And so far I have been loving every chapter. There is also a forum over on my blog that I will link in the show notes for you, where after each podcast episode, I encourage you to go over and, you know, uh, share your thoughts and your reflections and your answers to any of the questions from that week's podcast episode. This way we can learn and build our, you know, knowledge together as educators and it becomes more of a conversation instead of me just talking to myself in a room while reading a book. Anyways, I'm gonna jump into this week's episode of the book club and we're going to talk about chapter five together. All right, if you know me, you know that I love to talk about phonics. Phonics instruction is probably my favorite thing to teach in kindergarten. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's about, but being able to teach students like the secret quote unquote secret code to becoming readers and writers it's just those light bulb moments that continuously happen that are really amazing for me to watch and to be able to teach I actually love teaching phonic skills and it's something that I've been learning a lot about since I started kindergarten um just some background knowledge when I first started kindergarten um we were using fault Folly Jonics, um, Jolly Phonics. I don't even know what literacy skill that was to mess that up. Um, we were using Jolly Phonics, and over the years, I learned more about animated literacy. And after you know researching and finding out more about uh, phonics skills in general, I built my own phonics routine that I really think incorporates all the elements that students need to be successful and to build their knowledge skill uh, phonics skills. And I've shared a lot about it in the past. I will link um, an episode or a a blog post about it in the show notes for you if you want to go and check out what my phonics routine looks like in my classroom. But yeah, I I love teaching phonics. So if that doesn't come through already, um, I think this chapter will really um, bring that out um, when I start talking about all of the different ways that we can teach phonics skills to our students. The first thing I do want to point out and is something that I think comes from a balanced literacy approach and something that is kind of wrapped up in a philosophy of play-based learning in a way. And I've seen it come out in this way is that, you know, students will learn phonic skills through the environment and we can teach it through play. And I want to make sure that I'm making this like really clear that you know, phonic skills need to be explicitly taught to all of our kindergarten students as a kindergarten educator. 
Um, I'm very passionate about this part. You know, they need explicit instruction in order to learn phonics skills. It's not going to just, for a lot of students, it's not going to be just learned through incidental exposure throughout the day. Um, for older students, if you teach older grades, my wonderings around phonics instructor instruction are the same as, you know, my previous chapters as well as like, is this something that is embedded into your small groups? Like, how do you embed like phonics instruction for students? You know, if you're teaching grade four, let's say, where students have already established their phonics skills, and then you have a student who is EL and is learning phonic skills like how do you embed that into your practice with in explicit instruction along with everything else I guess it would have to be part of your small group routine so that students can really um, become fluent with their phonic skills and become automatic that's the word I'm looking for automatic in their fluent skills fluent automatic in their phonic skills um Another part of this is that I talked in the previous chapter about phonological awareness being a hearsay skill where they don't need to be able to see any kind of code to be able to learn phon uh, phonological awareness skills. But now when we move into phonics skills, this is a see-say skill. You know, there are symbols attached to the sounds of the letters that we're saying. So, you know, knowing that A is a vowel and it says a or a um, having that symbol attached to those sounds is really important so that's a now phonics becomes a c say skill so you're attaching those letters to it and something that um the chapter also points out this one's on page 64 is that phonics is just one component that students need to in order to learn how to read so we've already talked about phonological awareness there's also all those vocabulary skills if you're familiar with scarborough's reading rope there's various components that need to go into students learning how to read and phonics is just one component so a lot of the times you know when we're talking about structured literacy instruction or the science of reading people kind of equate that with just phonics when in reality it's science of reading is a, um, a group of research a history of research that has found the different components that students need in order to be able to become fluent readers. And phonics is just one component of that. And there's lots of other components. So I know that if you're reading this book, you probably already know that there's lots of other things that students do need to learn how to read. And as ELs, you know, they definitely need explicit instruction in order to understand the link between the symbol that is the grapheme on the page into the sound that it makes. And there's lots of different things that go into this as well. Developing that letter knowledge is one of the first things that, you know, they talk about in this chapter. And I think that as an a K educator, I think that fits in fantastic already with what we are doing in the in the classroom. So knowing that, you know, we have 26 letters in the alphabet and like that represents 44 sounds that we is represented in the English language. I think that it's you know, explicit instruction in that, I say explicit instruction, count how many times I've said in this podcast episode, it's probably a lot, and explicit instruction in those 44 sounds and how they correspond to those 26 letters is so important. And on page 66, where they point out that um, as educators, we should endeavor to learn about um, different phonic systems in um, the first language of our students. And now they gave 
a, a resource in order to do this, mylanguages.org. I have highlighted, it is on my list of things that I want to learn more about after I finish reading this book, but mylanguages.org, it says it provides, um, a lot of information on the different language and phonics systems of a hundred different languages. So very excited about that. When we're talking about developing letter knowledge, I come, I sometimes take for granted that my students are just going to know the alphabet. They're just going to be able to sing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and that they are recognizing the letters of the alphabet or at least have that letter knowledge. And with this book, it's like refocusing. It's like, recentering the fact that you know this is just something that I've taken for granted and that not not all my students will necessarily have that automatic automaticity with naming letters yet and so having uh to come back to that and not going back to basics because I've cut basics kind of entails that you know it's back to square one or something but like going back to this main principle that we need to be able to name the letters is really important so i kind of after i read it read this chapter kind of went back and refocused on something that i was doing maybe at the beginning of the school year with uh letters and letter names and bringing it into the second half of the school year as well where i had kind of dropped off on that practice thinking like oh we've done it but with thinking about my EL students and some of my students that are having um, some phonics uh, difficulties, I think that it's going to be really important to come back and recenter letter knowledge in my uh, literacy instruction. I love the guess who game that they start explaining on 67, um, where you have to, I did it with my students after reading this chapter, where I wrote all the letters of the alphabet while singing the alphabet song with them on the whiteboard. So as they were singing, I wrote all the letters and then I told them, you have to guess the letter that I'm thinking about. And I gave them one clue. I said, my letter is at the beginning of the alphabet. And I said, now you get to ask me questions about what letter so that you can try to guess what letter I'm thinking of. I told them that they had to ask me three questions before they even started guessing. They couldn't guess a letter yet. They had to ask me questions. And so it, it took a second for them to understand what I was asking them. But I, I started to model some questions. I was like, oh, you could ask me if it's a vowel or a consonant. You could ask me what kind of lines it has. You could ask me um, if it comes before a letter or after a letter. And once I kind of modeled those kinds of questions, they started asking me some great questions. One of the questions was, is it your favorite letter of the alphabet? And I was like, do you even know what my favorite letter of the alphabet is? And um, they said, no. And I was like, well, that's not a great question. But it was just funny that that's like where their brain went off to. And they were eventually able to guess that it was the letter C I was thinking about because they had asked me if it has any straight lines. And I said, no, it has no straight lines. They asked me if it came before the letter F. And I said, yes, it comes before the letter F. And they asked me if it was a vowel. And I said, no, it's not a vowel. And and so after looking at the letters that uh, I kind of use the whiteboard to uh, sh kind of show where the letter F is. And if we're talking about the letter, what comes before the letter F. So that vocabulary of before and after that some of my students needed some instruction on. I drew some arrows so that they understood. They were able to guess that my letter I was thinking of was the letter C. So it was just such a fantastic little um lesson that took maybe two or three minutes but that was really great at reinforcing 
different areas that students might need. So my EL students might have benefited really uh, tremendously from singing the alphabet at the beginning and writing the letters of the alphabet as I sang them. Some of my other students really benefited from talking about the letters and talking about consonants and vowels and placement in the alphabet. Some of my students just benefited from the mental exercise of like trying to guess the letter. So it, I felt that this lesson really reached all kinds of learners in my classroom. So it was really effective and I really enjoyed it. And I'm gonna continue using that game. It's going into my toolbox of fun games that I have played with my students. Um, at the beginning of the year, I shared one that I played as well with my students and this one was to do with their names. So I did it again where I, I sang the alphabet with my students and I wrote each letter of the alphabet as I sang it. And then students could come up and point to the first letter of their name um, after we had finished writing the alphabet <clears throat> on the whiteboard. So students were you know, immersed in the letters and letter knowledge. And I think that maybe I can start something like that again, but instead of doing the first letters of their names, because they pretty much know those now, so that's pretty good. Um, maybe I could uh, incorporate some phonological awareness into it and attach the phonics skills and the, the CSA skills, so those phonological awareness skills, where I could give them my example from the last um, uh, episode is coming back. I could say, oh, uh, we need to find the letter that begins with oh, that begins the word pig what's the first sound in pig p what letter says p and then they would have to come up and point to the p and i could say good p, p. and then that will kind of incorporate a lot of different skills i'm just thinking of different ways that i can go back to incorporating letter knowledge as for my el students but also incorporate some higher level skills for my students who have already mastered their letter knowledge skills so i'm always thinking of different differentiated ways of doing things because you know in kindergarten we have so many different levels because it's our two-year program over here in ontario canada and so we have just a wide range of ages and skills so really trying to differentiate those kinds of things for my students. Um, the graphophoneme knowledge is like that sound symbol correspondence where, you know, the P says P and being able to, you know, say P says P, but also say what letter says P and then being able to find the letter P, super important. And again, um, phonics, that kind of uh, phonics routine really embeds that knowledge and I, um, go through each letter of the alphabet that we learned and each sound that we learned. I go through that every morning with my students just to keep reinforcing those sounds and building that automaticity. And I think that's really helping my EL students as well because then they are continuously seeing the symbol associated with the sound because I have the cards that I hold up while I'm doing it. The next part of this chapter is where some new learning came in for me. I had heard of the six syllable types before, but I didn't have a strong understanding of what each of the syllable types were. And even after reading this chapter, I'm not 100% if I know, if I understand all of them, like this is not something that I was taught. I went to French school, so I don't know if this is something that anybody was taught when you know they were in school, but these six different syllable types are really, interesting to start um, building an understanding in kindergarten it probably looks a little different from you know the older grades where you might get into all six syllable types but um, I did start 
uh, introducing CVC words to my students and again, explicitly teaching them, you know, what CVC means. So every time I introduce like some kind of CVC word activity, I say this is a CVC word, a consonant, consonant word while I point to each letter so that um, students understand. And I also tell them, you know, it's going to be a short vowel sound when it's a CVC word most of the time. And then the new one for my students um, is going to be open syllables. Uh, I think this is going to come in when I'm teaching some high frequency, um, using the heart word method, like the word me is going to be really important for me to explicitly teach the open syllable so that students can really become to an understanding of the open syllable versus the closed syllable. I'm talking about this in the general sense of kindergarten. I don't know how much my English learners will pick up on this when I am teaching it. I'm hoping that they are teaching it, but because they do not yet have the vocabulary and the understanding of English, um, so they just might not be picking up on this yet, but I'm hoping because I am using the vocabulary and, you know, using the visuals and showing them what this looks like. I'm hoping that, you know, over time it helps build their capacity. And when they have that vocabulary and when they are ready for that step, that, that it'll be already something that is familiar to them and something that they will be able to pick up on a lot quicker because they'll have some of that background knowledge already built into it. So even though they might not be able to read CBC words yet because they don't have the vocabulary knowledge or the letter sound knowledge or the phonics knowledge yet in English, um, because, you know, they might have that in their first language. And I, I just don't know how much they're picking up on the open and closed syllables or the different syllable types. But I really want to make sure that I'm providing them opportunities to, you know, at least build some background knowledge around, you know, that kind of um, instruction. We also have the vowel pair syllables. I've been starting to teach those to my students. Sometimes they just come up organically when we're talking about uh, different words. And I've been talking about uh, vowel pairs to them for a long time. I just haven't explicitly taught any of the vowel pairs to my students, but it is part of my literacy instruction where we do talk about vowel pairs and how they make different sounds. And so I've taught a lot about the E-E, -E, making the long E sound uh, to my students because it comes up a lot, especially when you're teaching the long vowel sound for E. Um, and I've also talked about the E-A quite a bit to my students. So they have some, again, some background knowledge to uh, come back to for those vowel pairs. For my English learners, again, this is just built into the phonics routines that I'm doing with my students so that they are starting to internalize all of that knowledge as well. Um, vowel R syllables, uh, I, I always called these R controlled vowels. I don't know if that's different, but I've always called them R controlled vowels. So um, I don't know if that's the same thing as the vowel R syllable. If it's not, then I have a big misunderstanding with what vowel R syllables are. Again, those are just taught through my explicit instruction and um, building that understanding with my students. I knew syllable type for me was the final stable syllable. Um, I have not really talked to my students about this. Again, uh, because I think this goes from K, I think this book goes from K to six. These are some great um, ideas for my, um, for my teachers that teach older grades. But just for us, you know, I don't want to overwhelm my students by teaching them six syllable types. I just don't think that they're ready. I might be wrong. Maybe some kindergarten educators are going to be shouting at me that, oh, it's fantastic. Um, thing to be teaching my students, but 
It is not something I've teach some of them, but I haven't taught all six of them to any of my classes before. Um, and they always come up organically when I do teach them because, you know, students are trying to spell words or read words. And I start breaking down the syllables for them and making them understand, you know, the different uh, types of sounds that they're seeing within words. The same thing for syllable division patterns. I don't think that my students... I don't think I have any students that are yet ready for um, syllable division patterns. I think that talking about the vocabulary that goes along with it is important. So I talk about CVC, consonant, vowel, consonant all the time. So I'm hoping that when they come to syllable divisions in some older grades, again, for my EL students, they have this background knowledge and they have a strong understanding of the alphabetic principle and they have a strong under a letter knowledge so that they understand the difference between a vowel and a consonant. And that so when they come across syllable divisions and they start reading that they again have that background knowledge that is ready to go. Morphology is the next one. And I don't think that I've ever really talked about morphology or even brought up the word morphology in my kindergarten classroom. This year, something that I have done when students have been asking about language and about why certain letters are following certain rules or um, if they're looking for more understanding about a phonics rule, I have talked about the origins of English and how it does have Latin and Greek roots. The other day, a student asked why all the digraphs end with an H. So the SH, CH, TH, why do they all end in an H, they asked. And I was like, that's a great observation. And I have a book at school. It's this orange book that I can't remember the name of, but I will link in the show notes if this is something that interests you. And you can look up why, um, like you can look up any of the phonics skills or any of the, I don't even know how to explain it, any of the letters or letter pairs, and you can look them up and it explains the rules and the origins of each of those letters or letter pairs or sounds. And so I looked up the digraphs in this book and it's not really a professional development book it's more of a reference book and it was talking about i can't remember now and i don't have the book with me but i think because in latin the h was used to change the sound of the letter that came before it so H was always used to change that sound. So when we have digraphs, because they're from the Latin root, that H is there to change the sound that the letter is making before it. So I thought that was really interesting and I was able to share that with my students. They come to understand that, you know, there's different rules because English is made up of a lot of different languages. And so helping them understand that has been part of my practice. Again, as English learners, I, a lot of my English learners do not speak any English at all. So, you know, explaining Latin and Greek roots to my students, I don't know how beneficial that will be right now. But for me, the focus has really been on letter and sounds and um, monitoring their progress with that has been really uh, important. So I do a letter and sound assessment with them. I do it every couple of months to see what progress they're making or what I need to focus on a little bit more. I also, as I previously talked in the episode before this, have a phonological awareness assessment um, that I do with students. I did it at the beginning of the year and we just redid it uh, a couple weeks ago with the students to see what, how their progress is going. And so I, you know, con I like 
monitoring, screening, assessing your students is a really important part of this so that you can understand, you know, where your EL students are and where the rest of your students are as well so that you can plan next steps for them and really become um, well-versed in what their strengths are and what their next steps should be. That's where this chapter ends. And for the extended uh, reading and application activities, for me, it's going to be using that website that I talked about previously in this chapter that I'm blanking on the name of now, where you can um, compare English to other um, uh, languages so that you can, oh, mylanguages.org, so that you can have a better understanding of how the two languages compare. For me, I'm going to be looking into Tamil and possibly Urdu to see how their um, alphabet and their phonics compares to the English language. I think that Tamil and Urdu are some of the most spoken languages in my school community, but I have a feeling that it's not going to be easy for me as an English speaker to compare the two, but I will try my best and I wanna build my knowledge around those two languages because they do come up a lot in our classroom. We have a lot of students that would benefit from me having a better understanding of Tamil and Urdu. So that is the next step for me. Let me know over on the forum what your next steps are. Are you going to look into a specific language and build your understanding about that, their um, phonics and alphabet, um, alphabet, not knowledge, but alphabet symbols or whatever it might be. Um, let me know in the forum. I will link it in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the book club. Uh, make sure you're following me on whatever podcast platform you're listening on so that you know whenever I put up new episodes for the book club, they come out every Thursday. And for the regular podcast episodes that are still happening as well, those come out usually every Tuesday. So make sure you're following me and also go follow me on Instagram at creative kindergarten blog on TBT. Go over to that forum, share your thoughts, your ideas, your about this chapter. I'm excited to hear from everybody. Again, phonics is like, I love it. I really do enjoy learning more about phonics and how I can best use phonics instruction to meet the needs of all the students in my classroom. And this chapter I found gave really great um, hands-on like um, activities and ways to practice phonics, phonics skills with students. So I really enjoyed this chapter and uh, I hope you did too. I will see you or I'll talk to you all again next time for chapter six.